turn this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. When, uh, when Scott and Chris and the boys came to church and, uh, and Samuel and Logan were in the youth group, it was easy for some reason to remember Samuel's name. But sometimes we would forget Logan's name. Logan was a little quiet and, and didn't say a whole lot sometimes. So it ended up being 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel for a while. But we know who Logan is. Logan's graduating this year. And uh, we've got two others. We've got Je- Jessica that's graduating and Desiree that's graduating. And we had planned on having our uh, graduation recognition service tonight. But we discussed it during fellowship time and we're going to call off tonight's services because of the impending uh, thunderstorms and things and uh, some of the roads are just not, you can't travel on them and they'll be, you'll be cut off and so we made a decision not to have service tonight and we, it looks like at this point uh, we're going to incorporate the graduation recognition in next Sunday morning's service. So um, if you are graduating and there's going to be a conflict, if you'll come about next Sunday morning, come see me, and, and we'll discuss that, okay? All right, so everybody knows that this is going to be our only service today, right? So two hours is okay. I'm, I see one big smile over here, because he knows I'm just kidding, probably. Everybody else is crying. Now it's water inside and out. No, I'm just kidding. All right, today, uh, today we're going to talk about uh, addictions or a particular addiction, and that addiction is being addicted to approval, being addicted to everyone's approval, making sure that everybody is approving, everybody likes me. Now, the rebel in you right now is saying, I don't care. I don't care who likes me. I don't care if I, if I meet people's standards. Do you have a current hairdo? Are you wearing trendy clothes? Uh, if you're a lady, are you wearing makeup? If you're a guy, are you working out? I beg to differ. I think we all care about what people think about us. We're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to talk about what the Bible calls that, and that is the fear of man. The fear of man, wanting man's approval, as opposed to having a fear of God. That's want God's approval. Whose opinion really matters? And this is easy to answer in, on Sunday morning church. Whose opinion really matters? God's opinion matters. But how about in, the, in real time, real world out here when you're getting ready to go to work or when you're at work or when you're with your friends or you're at school? Then whose opinion matters? Should be the same answer. What's that answer? God's. Okay, absolutely. Is it always for us that, that God's opinion is what really matters? Uh, there was a, a man, an older man, and his son and a donkey, and they were traveling. I don't know where they were going, and I don't know why they were traveling, but they were. That's just how the story goes. And they went through a village, and, and the people in the village were really kind of upset because, you know, this guy was old, and he said, hey, you're so old. Why don't you get up on that donkey and ride that donkey? And so the old man, to make the people happy, he got up on the donkey, and they traveled on, and they went to the next village. And at the next village, the people were up in arms, and they said to the old man, how dare you ride that donkey when you've got this young man? That's, that's young and doesn't need to be doing all this walking, and he looks so tired. 
why don't you let the young man ride on the donkey? So to make the people happy, the old man jumped off the donkey and let the young man on the donkey. Okay, so now they're traveling down to the next village and, and the people are up in arms again about the old man not walking, not riding the donkey. And they said, well, you, there's room for both of you on that donkey. Why don't you both just jump on the donkey? And so they both get on the donkey to make the people happy. And they're walking down the road and they're traveling down to the next village. At this point, I would be avoiding villages. <laughs> I would just go off the beaten path. But anyway, they go through this one village and they are all about animal rights. And they get all over this guy and his, his, his young traveler that's with him. How dare y'all ride that donkey? That donkey's worn out. He is tired. He can just barely go. So to make the people happy, the man and the boy jumped off the donkey, and the man picked up the donkey and started carrying him down the road. And the moral to this story is, too many of us are carrying donkeys down the road. Too many of us are carrying donkeys down the road because we crave approval from other people. We, we crave their liking us, their accepting us. We used to call it peer pressure. I think that still kind of makes its rounds nowadays, or people pleasing. But I've already told you that the Bible calls it the fear of man because we are so concerned about what our fellow man think about us that it overcomes everything else. And our desire to be approved of and validated can take over to the point that we don't really sometimes even care what God thinks about us or even give it a second thought. And that's the problem because wanting to, uh, to get the approval of other people will get in the way of our pleasing God, which should be our number one priority. But as our society uh, continues to feed our addictions, we have a way now where we can give and receive this approval and this affection, if you want to call it that way. There used to be a song back in the day, looking for love in all the wrong places. Now we could say looking for likes in all the wrong places. Because we have social media now, and most of you, unless you've been living under a rock for the past, I don't know, 20 years, know what Facebook is. And most of you know that back in 2009, they instituted a like button. So that instead of commenting on something or writing a, a brief synopsis of why you like what you just saw, you can hit that like button. And somebody knows that you like, that, that you know that somebody likes what you put on there because they have liked your picture or they have liked your post. And I just want to give you some statistics here. Um, in 2015, the like button had been hit 1.13 trillion times. That was back in 2015. We're four years past that now. I don't have any statistics for that. But I can tell you that back in 2015, um, there were 3,125,000 likes every minute. Every minute. And that was in 2015. In 2019, I do have this for you. There are 4 million likes per minute on Facebook. And that's not taken into consideration Instagram and all the other uh, social media opportunities. So there are at least an average of 20 minutes a day that people are spending looking through Facebook and hitting like, like, like. 
And when we post something and we get a notification that something has happened, do you not go straight to that to see how many likes you got? Or do you go to that post and see how many likes you got? And then do you go to the likes to see who liked your post? And then do you wonder why only 15 of your 350 friends liked your post? What's wrong with you? Why haven't you got more people to like what you put on there? Everybody is seeking affirmation from everybody else. And this has become an unhealthy need that we have for the approval of men. And the Bible addresses that. Of course it does. In Luke chapter 6, verse 26, there's trouble ahead when you live only for the approval of others, saying what flatters them, doing what indulges them. So we... We get past the point of wanting approval, which I don't think there's anything with wanting approval, but we get past the wanting and we start needing it. And we start having to have it just to survive. If we don't have it, something's wrong. And again, many of you may say, well, I don't have to, I don't have, to have people's approval. But this approval, this wanting to be liked, is the reason for so many, and please don't be offended, I don't, I don't mean this in any way, but that's the reason for so many toupees and comb-overs and makeovers and plastic surgery and, and the thinking about having these things done if you haven't done them already because we want to look a certain way because we want to be accepted. And if you think, I don't do those things, that's not for me. I'm not worried about that. Let me just ask you about some of these. Have you ever changed anything about yourself in the hopes that people would be more accepting of you? Have you ever done that? Have you ever laughed at something that you didn't think was really funny because you didn't want to be the only one standing in the group that wasn't laughing? Have you ever dressed a certain way or done something just to fit in or just to be accepted? Think about that. Have you ever listened to a certain kind of music that you didn't really like, but your friends were listening to it, and you didn't want to be the odd man out? Have you ever not worshipped as expressively on the outside as you felt on the inside because you didn't want people to think that you were weird? And how about this one? Have you ever uh, acted like you got something or you were in the know about something? even though you had absolutely no idea what was going on? I think some of us have become masters at that. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 I know how to get there. I know, you don't need to give me any directions. I'm not going to ask for any directions. I'm not going to do that because then people think I don't know what I'm doing or I don't know how to get anywhere or do anything. So this approval, this approval just bleeds into every area, every area of our lives. And I was thinking about you know, have you ever been driving down the road and your, your let's just say your, your jam comes on, let me put it that way, or your song comes on, and you're just like, yes, oh, this is the greatest day. I've hit green lights all the way, and here's my favorite song. So you just start singing. You're singing at the top of your lungs. You're having your own little party, just enjoying yourself. And everything is great and everything is good, but it all changes in a millisecond, and the concert is over when you look over at the next stoplight and somebody is in their car staring at you. And then you try to calm down. You calm way, way down. And you act like nothing's, nothing's wrong, nothing's, nothing's going on. And you try to be cool through the whole thing. 
and you're just kind of making believe that they never saw what happened. And maybe you're kind of thinking, you know, they're going to forget all about that, and they'll never think about it again. But woe be unto you if you know this person. And, and I got to share an experience that we had one time in the parking lot of a grocery store. Robert and I were sitting in the car. Yeah, this is about you. And, and you know, Robert, Robert, is, uh, Robert and I both, I guess, were kind of known for being a little uh, subdued in public, a little quiet. But that wasn't the case when we were at home with family. We were just loud, weren't we? But we were sitting out in the car, and Robert's jam came on. And so he starts playing the drums on the steering wheel. You want to show us a little bit how you were doing that? Okay. And so he is just going to town. He is just having a ball. And I'm just sitting there not thinking anything of it because this is normal behavior for my brother. It's no big deal for me. But if anybody else saw it, it would blow their mind. And somebody did see it. And it was a teacher from the school. And she was walking down through the parking lot and she saw Robert playing his drums. And her face, her head just went, she had a lot of hair. And her, her face went like, like that. And her hair was... And her eyes were this big. And Robert went, oh, well, oh, gosh. Oh, well, oh, she saw me. And so Robert bends down and crawls in between the, the, the two front seats to get into the back seat. And he's mumbling something the whole time. And he's like, oh, I can't believe she saw me. I can't believe she saw me. And, and he acted like that, and I just loved every minute of it, let me tell you. But he acted like that, and, and I would have done the same thing, and so would you, is because we care about what people think about us. And I know he probably went to bed that night thinking, she'll forget all about it. I know she will. Dear God, please help her, to forget, help her not to say anything about it in front of anybody tomorrow. Um, there's, a, there's a contemporary uh, singer in, in contemporary Christian music, his name is Lecrae, and he said, if you live for people's acceptance, you will die from their rejection. Uh, Proverbs 29, 25 says this, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So there's, an, there's another element that is involved in this that we haven't talked about yet, and that's fear. Fear. What you are afraid of can control you. What you are afraid of can control you. It gives that person or that object power over you. Now let me kind of explain what that means. A spider has very little power over you if you don't see it, does it? Not really. And let me throw this in that I've been told you're never more than eight feet away from a spider at all times in your life. Now, who's going to check the underneath their sea? There are a lot of spiders in this church. They can clean the church and... Uh, he can walk out the door and drive off, and I can come in the front door and go through a spider web. I mean, they, they can make a web that quick. But when you see that spider, does it have power over you? Will you go a different way? Will you avoid the doorway if there's a spider web? You know, that you kind of get the idea that I'm thinking. Once you see that spider there, it has power over you, and it has power that it shouldn't have over you. And that's what happens with the fear of man. The fear of man lays a snare. The fear of man spins a web. And we are not supposed to worry about that. We're supposed to trust in the Lord. We obey, though. We obey the things. We obey the ones that we fear. And we end up living our lives for them instead of living our lives for God, which is what we've been called to do. 
If you're a Christian, if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then you are called to live for Him. And you cannot please everybody. That will never happen. We've all heard that. Our parents have told us that. We've heard it over and over again. You can't please everyone. It's also been said that we fear men so much because we fear God so little. So is it the fear of man or is it the fear of God? Let's read from 1 Samuel chapter 15. Uh, before we read, I'm going to give you a little bit of background about the man that we're going to be talking about this morning. His name is Saul, and he was a very impressive young man. There was no equal among him. Among the Israelites, there was no equal to him, rather. He was taller than everybody else, according to 1 Samuel chapter 9. He was good-looking. He was strong. Uh, he came from a good family. But he, he did crave approval and validation from other people. And here's the thing. He had already been chosen as king. God, God had already placed his stamp of approval on Saul. Should God be enough? Should he be enough? Yes, absolutely. But we see that Saul had a weakness when it came to what other people thought. So let's read from 1 Samuel chapter 15, beginning with verse number 1, and this is from the NIV. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people, Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. In other words, if it is breathing, stop it from breathing. (laughs) No matter what it is. If it's an Amalekite, if it belongs to the Amalekites, I want it wiped out totally. Is there any room for debate there? Kill them all. Leave nothing. So let's jump to verse number 7. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak they totally destroyed. Verse 10 Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. So we're going to stop right there. and We're going to reference a few more verses in that chapter, but we won't read any more together. But we kind of get the idea of what's going on. Uh, Saul, who God chose to be king, has been given a project. I want you to go out and I want you to take care of the Amalekites for what they have done to my people. I want them wiped out completely. I don't even want their livestock to survive. I want everything gone. And so Saul goes out and he does what he's asked with the exception that he keeps their king alive and the best of the livestock they kept alive. So this made... God was unhappy with this. It made Samuel angry. And some things are going to happen as a result of that. Um, So the message was very clear. There was really no room for debate like you attested to. He said, kill everything. That doesn't leave 
anything alive. So what Saul did is he gathered all his 240,000 men, 10,000 from Judah. Um, He ordered the Kenites to get from among the Amalekites so they wouldn't be destroyed as well. And then he went out and he did what he was told with, again, the exception of leaving the king alive and the livestock alive. And then when Samuel came to Saul and saw what had happened and heard what had happened, he was very disappointed. And the Lord spoke to Samuel and he expressed this right here. He said, I wish that I had never made Saul king over the people because Saul cannot listen and does not do what he is commanded to do. So Samuel really liked Saul. Samuel and Saul, Samuel the prophet and Saul the king, they were friends. So Samuel was really upset about what took place, and he wanted God to give, give Saul another shot. So when Saul was confronted, as you read this story, when Saul was confronted about what he had done, he felt, he felt confident that he had done what God had asked him to do. Um, and then you know, Samuel came back with, well, if you did what God asked you to do, then why do I hear animals? Why do I hear sheep? Why do I hear cattle? Why am I hearing these animals if you killed everything that you were supposed to kill? And then Saul tried to defend himself, and he said, well, I did do what he asked me to do, and, but we just thought that we would hang on to these really good-looking livestock so that we could use them in our sacrifices to our God. And then Saul... Samuel came back with something that we have probably heard a lot of in churches and other places. He said this. He said, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. So obedience is better than sacrifice. Do you see what's being said there? God told you to do something. You did it part of the way and then you came up with your own idea about something that might be good. And you decided to do it. Maybe you did it so you could sacrifice it to God. Maybe you did it because they looked too uh, delicious to just get rid of and you had other plans for them. Whatever the case, you were disobedient. And you didn't do what God asked you to do. And he's saying it's better to listen than to attempt some good-hearted gesture on your own. So it's better to listen. How many of us as children would have our parents tell us to do something. For an example, uh, you need to clean your room and make your bed. Your parents tell you. So you go in your room, and you clean your room, but you don't make your bed. And then your parents come to you later that day, I looked in your room, you didn't make your bed. Yeah, I did what you told me, though. I cleaned my room, but I got to thinking, I'm going to climb back in the bed in a couple hours, and it's going to get messed up again. So I thought it would be okay with you if I didn't do that. Now, how many of you as parents are going to go, Good thinking. Let's just never make the bed again. It's kind of a similar situation. God said, I want you to wipe it out. I want you to get rid of it. I don't want you to come up with alternate plans and endings to this story. This is what you need to do. And, and of course, Saul came up with his own little, nice little gesture. Samuel tells Saul that rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. And what he did is he rebelled against God. Because he was disobedient to God. And he said, stubbornness is like sin and idol worship. So what we see here is God is rejecting Saul as king 
because Saul rejected the word of God. Do you see that? God is rejecting Saul as king because Saul rejected the word of God. And so the kingdom was taken from him. And all in all, what we find out is that Saul did this because he was afraid of the people. He listened to what the people were saying. They were thinking, what's the point? I mean, this is good stuff here. We don't need to get rid of this. Why should we get rid of this? So Saul again was so dis- or Samuel was so disappointed with Saul. And when all was said and done, he told Saul, I want you to go get the king. You go get that king that you let survive. And so Saul went and got King Agag and brought him in. And Samuel proceeded to do what Saul should have done. And he killed the king and did what God wanted done. Now we can look at this story from all different kind of angles. And we can let our jaw drop and think, why would God want this to take place? Why? We're talking children, infants. We're talking innocent animals like the poor donkey that had to carry the man and the, and the kid at the, at the beginning of the, the message today. But ultimately what we have here too is that God, who is God, who is creator, gave a commandment that wasn't heeded, that wasn't obeyed, and he was not pleased with that. And it just goes to show that our God should have the final word, and God knows what's best for us, doesn't he? Because we're going to find something out here a little bit later on. So Samuel, Samuel killed Agag, and he not only killed him, well, he, he kind of cut him up in pieces. Uh, I thought twice about telling you that, but you can read it for yourself, so I'll just go ahead and tell you. That's a little bit disturbing, isn't it? But that's what happened. That's what happened. So after all this happened, Samuel left, and he didn't have anything to do with Saul anymore until Saul died. He did come when Saul died because, once again, Samuel and Saul were friends. But guess how Saul died? He was killed by the Amalekites. So it kind of came back around and bit him and not destroying completely everything. So let's take a look at, at what, what this means for us and how can we, what can we glean from this when we live our lives to try to, uh, to appease people and we try to get their approval. What happens to our relationship with God when people's approval becomes greater than God's approval? I've got just a few things I want to share with you to apply this to my life and to yours. First of all, when we live for the approval of other people, we're going to eventually do something stupid. We, were, we are eventually going to do something stupid. Let's just go ahead and call it like it is. Uh, God told Saul to go out and kill all the Amalekites. He gave him very specific instructions. There were no gray areas to his instructions. He wanted the people completely annihilated. And verse 9 says, Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and the goats and the cattle and the calves and the lambs. Anything that appealed to them, they kept. And if you and I are consumed with trying to please other people, eventually we're going to come into a situation where we're either going to have to choose God's way or their way. The people that we're trying to get their approval, we're either going to have to do what they want us to do or we're going to have to do what God wants us to do. It's eventually going to come down to that type of a situation. And I'm going to tell you this too, and this is not going to make it any easier, because sometimes what God wants us to do doesn't really make sense, does it? Some of the things that he asks us to do may not quite 
make sense to us. I mean, maybe even way back then, even though things were more barbaric than they are today, I guess, it may have seemed strange, kill them all, kill the kids, kill the cows, kill the goats, kill them all. Maybe it didn't make sense. But we know that in Isaiah, it says very plainly, his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. So sometimes what God asks us to do and expects of us doesn't always make sense. But it's always the best way, and it's always best for us. But we will come to a point where, okay, am I going to do what God wants? Or am I going to do what is going to make me look the best in the eyes of the people whose approval I need? And you have probably already been there at some point in your life. Probably so. You're going to have an opportunity to get approval by disobeying God. So you're eventually going to do something that's stupid. And you're going to do something that God doesn't approve of. And, and, in, and in Saul's case, he did something that made God sad because God was saddened that he had chosen Saul to be king. He was saddened by that. He said in verse 11, I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me, and he has refused to obey my commands. Now what God was not saying, he wasn't saying that he had made a mistake. He was just sorrowful and he was grieved that he had done so. He hadn't changed his mind and again he hadn't made a mistake. But Saul had made a mistake because Saul feared what men thought, what his, what his troops thought, more so than what he feared about God and what God thought. So he, he, you can say that he, he grieved the Lord and he saddened the Lord for making him king. So look at your own life. Look at your own life. Look at your own schedule, the way you live your life. Is it controlled more by your own desires? Is it controlled more by the desires of the people you're trying to approve? Or is it controlled more by what God wants? By what God wants. We have sung that He is good, that He's a good Father. Lori sang that God loves us. We sang that He was great. We know what He did for us at Calvary. Is that enough to change our schedule? Is that enough to make what He wants for our lives a priority? Here's something else. When we live for other people's approval, God's glory becomes less important than our own glory. God's glory becomes not as important as our own. Because the more people that you and I please, you could say the higher our approval rating is going to go. And I'll say again, there's nothing wrong with people liking us. There's nothing wrong with wanting people to like us. As long as we don't get so full of ourselves that we forget about God and who He is. I mean, you think back to to Moses and, and Abraham. They built monuments to God. Saul built a monument to himself for his victory over the Amalekites. So you already see a problem there, don't you? His glory became more important than God's glory. And what that births within you and me is something called pride. We become very prideful, very proud. And pride is very subtle. And a lot of times when pride infects us, we don't even know it because it's come in through the back door. But pride will separate or will cause our relationship with God to be not what it should be. Because again, we're more concerned about approval and our own glory than we are concerned about God's approval of us. 
and His glory. We become elevated and we become more important. And then also when we are striving for the approval of people, we are inviting, and this, this will hit a chord, uh, probably you're inviting unnecessary drama into your life. Unnecessary frustration in your life. Now, who in here needs more drama in their life right now? Frustration? Anybody want some more frustration? How many of you are frustrated because it's raining harder and harder the longer we're, we're here? Okay, we're going to be done here in just a few moments. But it invites all of that stuff. And eventually, let me tell you, eventually you're going to upset somebody. Not, you've, already, you've already mistreated God and the grace of God, but you're going to upset somebody else too because sooner or later you're going to hit a roadblock. You can't please everybody all the time. You can't please everybody. Saul wanted to please the men of his army, so he only partially obeyed what God had told him to do. Verse 15 of, of, uh, first Samuel, of chapter 15 Saul tried to shift the blame then. Now, even though he was trying to get the approval of the men that were with him, he then began to shift the blame to them. He said that it was them, it was their, you know, it was their idea to, to keep the animals alive. It wasn't all my idea. You know, they, they were in and on it too, and I, I don't feel like I should shoulder all the blame. So how do you think the men are gonna, going to respond to that? You think there's going to be some dissension in the troops? Here he is throwing us under the bus, and he's the king. We do what he says. He doesn't do what we say. Little did they know how much power that they had over him by the things that they were saying because he wanted their approval. And then the people whose approval he was seeking, he threw them under the bus. So there was going to be drama. There was going to be frustration because do you think that his troops are going to stand for him throwing them under the bus? I don't think so. I believe that if God hadn't removed uh, Saul from the throne, that his troops probably would have. And you can't please everybody. You can't please everybody. Certainly you can't please everybody all the time. So what we need to do is we need to make a genuine effort to please God. And here's what's going to happen when you and I do that. When you and I try to please God, who, who deserves our adoration and our love and our obedience... When we try to be obedient to God and please Him, we are going to make other people unhappy. Think about the stand that Christians are taking against some of the immorality that's going on in the world today. Is the secular world standing back saying, Hey, I don't agree with you Christians, but I admire the way you stand behind what you believe in. And I admire how you are obedient to the God you say that you serve. Do you hear that anywhere? No, they can't, stand, they can't stand our guts. They would just assume we weren't here so that they could live and do as they please. And, you know, the song that Lori sang, you know, you could very easily change the lyrics. You could take God out of there and put everybody in there. Everybody loves you. Everybody loves you. But if that song is being sung about you, are you, could you possibly be living the way that God wants you to if you're pleasing everybody? If you're trying to please everybody all the time? 
Because as we've already said, if you're work, working to please people, then you're going to end up forgetting about God. But let's just leave it God loves you, and that's enough. I would much rather hear that everybody... Now, I'm, I'm, I hope, I'm not jinxing myself. I don't believe in that. But I would much rather hear God loves you, but everybody else hates you. Who wants to sign up for that club? Anybody? Because we do care what people think about us. But it should be more important to be obedient to God, to be obedient to the one who has done everything he could to get us to see how much he loves us. A few more things and I'll be done. If we're living for the approval of people, we're going to end up redefining what success is to meet somebody else's standards. I think success as a Christian is obedience to God. I think success as a Christian is submission to God. Let's do what God says. Let's listen to what God has to say. But the thing about Saul is his definition of victory wasn't defined by God. It was defined by the opinion of his army. God had already told Saul what was required for victory. For you to be victorious, Saul, this is what I want you to do. I want you to wipe them out. And you will be victorious. You will be successful if you do what I tell you to do. But Saul changed the definition of success so that it fit what his troops felt instead of what God said. And also, if we are living for people's approval, we're eventually going to have a hard time recognizing what the truth really is. And why is that, William? Why do you say that? Because instead of listening to God, which is what we should always do, what I should do and what you should do, instead of always listening to God, we're going to be listening to all the other voices. All the other voices. Think about how many people of the faith have been swayed on their opinions about things that usually were the dividing line between believers and unbelievers. You know, I'm a Christian, but I believe solely that. Let's just say, for instance, I'm a Christian, I know that I'm going to heaven, and I wholeheartedly support uh, alternative lifestyles, no matter what it is. You should love people no matter what, no matter what they do. Now, part of that statement is true. You should love the homosexual. You should love, you should love anybody, no matter what their problem, their issue, their, their trouble is. We should love them. But I don't love you because you're a homosexual. You know, I, I, it's like saying, I love you because you're a murderer. Or I love you because you're a liar. I love you because, and I read this this week, and this is so profound. You will never, I hope I get this right. You will never look into the eyes of somebody that God does not love. Let that, let that settle in. God loves the, the homosexual. God loves uh, the Planned Parenthood people. God loves uh, the legalistic Christian who tells you that you have to do this and you have to do that or you're not saved. God loves all people. And love changed the world through the man, through our God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Love made the difference. But as we, are, as we tend to do, we like to, we like to group in our own little thoughts and ideas, don't we? You know, I, I think we should love all people, but, but I think if they're doing this, then I can just kick them to the curb and it's okay. And I don't have to have anything to do with them. I don't want to have nothing to do with them. 
But the problem is, how can we say that and go into the world to make disciples? You know, are we just going to find out the areas where people live that we don't like and avoid those areas? We need to go straight through those villages too, just like that man, that boy, and that donkey. No matter what people say, just keep going through and love people through the whole, through, through it all. And we've done the same thing with salvation. Salvation is putting your faith and trust in what Jesus has already done, but also you must perform good works and go to church and you must tithe at least 10%. And above that, if you want a bigger mansion and blah, 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 blah. And we add all this stuff to it because, oh, and hey, I know God said to kill the Amalekites and their cows and their kids, but I'm going to leave the king and I'm going to leave the best livestock because that's my idea. I'm going to group it together. And then God said, no, Saul, you can't be king anymore because you have, you have turned away from the word of God. The word of God was kill them all. And you changed your mind. And so truth becomes relative and it's just whatever you want it to be. And we will live our lives till, till the end of our days struggling with, am I going to believe what God says or am I going to come up with my own way of doing things? Because again, pride comes in very subtly, doesn't it? And it all happens because we have more of a fear of man than we have a fear of God. And am I talking about fear like go hide in a corner and cover yourself with a blanket and turn off all the lights and pray He doesn't hear you breathing? Because that ain't going to work. Because He knows exactly where you are all the time. But having a holy, righteous fear, respect, reverence, Adoration for God because He deserves that, does He not? And yet still, we will get up in the morning and we will think about the people that we're going to see and we'll think, okay, now what, what can I wear that will, that will make them happy? Or what can I wear that will cause them to look favorably on me? So-and-so, I got my hair cut like so-and-so and now maybe I'll fit more into that group. Or I've learned a couple of off-color jokes that some of the people I want to be friends with really like. So I'm going to tell this one today, and I'll save one for tomorrow, and then maybe they'll accept me and allow me to be part of the group. And it starts there, but it keeps going, and it keeps going, and it keeps going. And it's not to the point where you should just walk out into the world and say, I don't care what anybody thinks. Forget every one of you. Because that goes contrary to what God said. You've got to go out and you've got to love. William, you're driving me crazy. How is this possible? First you're telling me not to worry about what people think about me, and then you're trying to tell me to go over there and love them, and, and the best way for me to get somebody to love me is to do something that will make them happy. It's not true. Just love them. Talk to them. Spend time with them. Give them some truth. What kind of truth? Well, your hair is ugly and your dress is too tight. No, not that kind of truth. This kind of truth. Hey, you know what? Heard a song Sunday, and boy, I cannot get it off my mind. God loves you. He wants you to know He's with you. You're not alone. You know, there's been times I've felt alone, and I've remembered that, and I've remembered I'm not alone. Oh, you felt alone? Well, do you know Jesus? And you're, you're not doing anything to cause them to like you or to get approval. You're giving them truth because you're doing what God told you to do. Go and make disciples. Let's go and do what God asked us to do. He, here's, here's a difference, though, 
in the time of the old covenant, the time of the new covenant, when Christ died on the cross and changed everything, God's not going to come down and say, you disobeyed me, so you're no longer my child. You're, you're gone, you're out of here. Because, you know, we, we crave that acceptance. It's the most important thing to us. We want to be accepted. I don't care who you are and how solitary and independent you, you think yourself to be. We want people to like us. We want to be accepted. And what greater acceptance can you have than for somebody who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, who made everything that you see, who made you, who would walk up to you, look you in the eye, the person that God loves, because everybody's eyes that you're looking into is a person God loves. But God looked you in the eye and said to you, I will take you just as you are, and you don't have to do anything to get me to love you. You don't have to do anything to get me to tell you I love you and to show you that I love you. As a matter of fact, I did something you need to know about. I died for you so that I could take care of your sin so that we could be together forever. That's the acceptance we need to crave. And you know what? It's already yours. So there's really nothing wrong with, with seeing something that a coworker wears and, and trying to get something similar because you like it. And there's nothing wrong with telling somebody, giving somebody a compliment. Um, there's nothing wrong with sitting in the parking lot of a grocery store and beating on the steering wheel to your favorite song. But when we're doing those things to the extreme because we want those likes and we want people to accept us, then that's a problem. But if we're living our lives for His glory and to give Him praise, He is very pleased with that. And you don't even have to worry about Him hitting the like button because He hit the biggest, hit the biggest love button ever when He died on the cross to take care of your sin. Let's all stand.